been walking through this series called God With Us is the name of this series. And we're talking about the, how the presence of God is with us in very different seasons of our life. How many of our, our lives go through seasons? We have those great seasons that we're on the mountaintops, like we talked about the first week, and then we have the seasons that we're in the valley. And we talked about how that God, that we enjoy God on the mountaintop, but we get to know him intimately in the valley. And we also, then we talked about how that God is with us in the wilderness. Valleys are things that we go through, but sometimes the wilderness is something you get stuck in. Just ask the children of Israel for wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They were stuck. But the great thing about that is that even when we're in the wilderness, our deepest need becomes a great gift because it drives us to depend on God. And the more we depend on God, the better off we are. How many know that we get in trouble most of the time when we get to thinking, I, God, I got this. Those are the most dangerous words on the planet. So before we get into what we're talking about today, you probably already figured it out, but I'm excited about next week. Do everything you can to invite people. Next week is our, is our Christmas Sunday, and, and I've seen some Christmas sweaters and stuff, and so wear all that stuff next week. We're going to do a, a red and green day and just ask everybody just to show we're going to have a great time. We're gonna, the, the worship team's going to be doing some Christmas carols and things, and it's just going to be a great time. And the subject is we're still going to be continuing God with us because that is our Christmas theme, but next Sunday we're going to talk about God with us always. Always. So it's going to be a triumphant tone. But today, if you haven't figured it out, we're talking about, as it says in Matthew 1, 23, it says, it's the virgin be with child, and we give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, that's one of the things I love about the Christmas season when we celebrate this season is this idea that, that God would clothe himself in flesh and come live among us and be with us and that even though he's ascended and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, that he is still with us because the, his Holy Spirit resides in us. And today we're going to be talking about how that God is with us in the storm. See, sometimes, unlike valleys, unlike wilderness, sometimes storms just hit. Just out of nowhere. I mean, you know, we have meteorologists. We have all these tools to check and attract things, but they still miss it, and they still get caught by surprise because sometimes storms just happen. You know, right here in the U.S., we see that we hit or hit with storms at times, and things rise up and, and all of those things. But I heard a saying that I thought is, is very, very interesting, and I believe it's very true. It's not very encouraging, but it's very true. You're either coming out of a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or there's a storm just around the corner. Well, that's the way life is. In life, stuff happens. As much as we'd like for life to be smooth and perfect, and every morning we wake up and the birds are singing, and everybody is just, you know, and, and, and everybody's in a great mood before coffee. It usually doesn't happen that way. We face stuff in life. And so we've had some big storms in our country this year, and I've always found it very interesting that there are certain class of storms hurricanes that we give names we name them after people hurricane florence hurricane michael and i thought about that what if we were to name all the storms of life if we were to give them names i could just see somebody picking up their phone and said 
I can't come in today. I've got virus Vinny. <laughs> or, man, my car's, my car's just totaled because of accident Annie. And what if we name those things? And the other thing that I thought of that is, you know, sometimes my mind works away. Does it get to tracking down there? You know, think about this. These storms, what do we also do? Not only do we give, we give them names, we give them categories. So can you imagine one of your coworkers, because I know none of you would ever do this, but can you imagine one of your coworkers calling in and saying, I can't come in today because I've got hangover Harry and it's a category five. So where did all this come from? It turns out that before 1954 that these storms were named after locations. But in, in 1954, they started naming, many of the meteorologists started naming storms, get this, after their wives and girlfriends. Now, I don't know where that started. I don't know why somebody thought that was a good idea. I could just see some meteorologists coming home and saying, honey... There's a storm coming, and it's a big one. I mean, it's going to kill people. It's going to wipe houses out. It's going to leave a wake of destruction in its path. I named it after you. I, I, I don't get it. And that went on for 25 years, and then in 1979, equal rights for storms happened. And they started to name them after men as well. So I guess there's some lady meteorologists that said, hey, I want to know this stuff. I got a boyfriend that this storm has got his name written all over it. But we do. We face storms. And unfortunately, some of you that are here right now, you're probably in the midst of some kind of storm. Maybe it's a small storm like a messed up car. Or maybe it's a storm like some of the ones today that were supposed to be taking on roles in the church. That all of a sudden sickness hits and things happen. We, we face stuff in life. And it hits us. And, and maybe you're here and you say, you know what? It's not a Category 5, but I'm going through a tropical depression right now. And we face those things. And, and we, we say, you know, my forecast for my life is looking kind of gloomy and stormy. I wish I could get through this relational storm that I'm in or whatever. We could name it all kinds of things. But sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of very real pain and we just want the storm to go away. So what do we do when we're in the middle of a storm? Many times what we do, we run for cover. And if it's a storm, we hear a siren, we can run for cover, we can do those things, we can buy storm shelters. But unfortunately in life, there's not always a storm shelter. There's not always a place that we can run. And many times when those things happen, what do we do? We want to blame somebody. We want to blame God. And we want the storm to go away. Sometimes we'll say, God, where are you? God, why did you do this to me? Or why did you let this happen to me? I don't understand why I'm in this storm. Here's what I want you to remember. Don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Because God is with us. And so as we explore this thought today, 
We're going to be spending most of our time in Acts chapter 27. It's just a great story you're probably familiar with in Scripture, but I think it really fits, fits where we're at. And I, we're gonna, I'm going to cut to kind of the most stormy, the most downtrodden, the most heavy laden passage in this whole story. And we're going to start there, but I want you to look at this. Acts 27 verse 20, it says, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raising, raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. What a horrible place to be. No sense of direction. What did they do in that day and time? They, they, they charted the course of the ships by the sun, the moon, and the stars. And so you can imagine this storm hits. They're being tossed around. They've done everything they can. They've unloaded the ship. They've tossed cargo aside. They've tossed all this stuff. And the storm hits and it's carrying them and there's nothing they can do. And not only is it carrying it with them, but they can't see the sun. They can't see the stars. They can't see the moon. They have no idea where they're at. Talk about being lost in the storm. What does it say? It says, finally, we gave up all hope of being saved. They thought, we're not going to survive this. This is over. This is it. I'm done. And Paul was a prisoner on the ship. And he was headed to Rome to stand trial. And the whole thing is because Paul got arrested. I don't know if there's ever been a man in history that has been arrested for doing good like Paul was. I mean, healing people, pointing them to, to Christ, doing all these great things. But just because of the political powers of both the church and the government that there didn't like what he was doing, he's under arrest and he's put on trial. And he's having to defend himself. And come to find out, he finds out that, that even though he's on trial and, he's, and, and the, uh, the ruler of the area has him in his hands and, and he's kind of safe in that even though he's under arrest, we find out that the leaders of the day had this scheme to have him brought back to Jerusalem to stand trial and they had people ready to ambush and kill him on the way back to Jerusalem. So what does he do? He's a Roman citizen, so he appeals to Caesar, which was a right. And so he is on this ship, and he is headed to Rome to stand trial when this storm hits. And right in the middle of all that, it says, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Can you imagine what Paul must have felt like? Talk about a bad week. Talk about a bad month. Talk about a bad year. He's walking through it. But God was with him every step of the way. I wonder how many of you would use that phrase, maybe something you're going through right now. You're thinking, I've given up all hope. I'm not going to make it. But you know what? There are things that we face. Sometimes we get gut-wrenching news. Maybe you say, you know what, I've got a marriage that's just not going to make it. I'll never be able to climb out of this financial debt that I'm in. The doctor says there's no way I'm going to beat this. 
or the doctor says, there's no way you will ever conceive. For a young family, that's devastating news. But interestingly enough, just here over the little over a year, we've had two different people that we've prayed for that the doctor has said. I mean, they've tried medical treatments that have gone to doctors, and the doctors have said there's no way, it'll never happen, get used to it. I enjoyed the wedding I did yesterday. There was Andrew and Cassidy with baby Aiden in, in their arms. And I remember them coming down and saying the doctor said there's no hope and praying for them. And I am very careful about doing this. I don't, I don't take this lightly at any sin, but I just had the impression, and I looked at them in that moment. You ever had that kind of righteous thing rise up? And I looked right at their circumstance and said, you will have a child, and he will be a boy, and he will serve God. Right now we're at two out of three. He's a, little, he's a little young to serve God yet, but I think it's coming. But see, God does that. And then recently we had somebody else that, if you remember the, the testimony night that we had in um, at uh, High Point, yes, I couldn't think of the name of the church. We, multiple churches come together and, and we gave the testimony of Kim's healing. There was a couple that we prayed with that night that the same news, the doctor said, it is impossible you will not be able to ever have a child. Well, guess what? They're expecting now. See, God, the doctors don't get the final answer. God is with us. But what they say? The sun and the stars are gone. There's no sense of direction. They're lost. And so what happens in those moments? Many times we're in those storms and we're facing those things. What do we do? We begin to play, play the blame game. We blame God. We blame Satan. We're looking for some place that we can push the blame off of us onto somebody else so that they can be responsible. It's kind of like the... Oh, it's been a couple years back, but I bought a brand new lawnmower. Of course, it's got all the parts. You have to pull everything out and assemble it all. And I couldn't believe, because it had been a few years since I bought a new one. And I couldn't believe all the warning stickers that were all over it. Like, don't put your hand underneath the lawnmower while it's running. You know good and well that's somebody's lawsuit that when they lost their fingers, they were looking for somebody else to blame because it happened. And so they sue, saying there was no warning label telling me I couldn't do that. And you know every one of those labels is somebody putting the blame on somebody else, probably for some not-so-intelligent decision they made. But we do, we play the blame game. And so many times we want to point at other people when sometimes we find ourselves in the storm and it's our fault. Let's look at verse 21. Paul says this, After the man had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. And nobody likes an I told you so 
But Paul was valid in making the statement, I told you so. And so I can imagine some of them wanting to punch him in the mouth right then and there for stating the obvious. But they're in this situation because they had traveled. And and the winds hadn't been favorable. There were some things that happened. And so they were running behind on the schedule. They ended up landing on the island and staying in this harbor called Fair Haven. And so the discussion was going on. It's late in the season. Winter was approaching when the seas get really rough and the storms were there in that part of the, the world. And so Paul makes this statement, you know what? We don't need to go on. We need to stay right here. But it turns out Fair Haven was just a name because it was on the wrong side of the island to winter in. It was not conducive for that because of the way the winds typically came in that time of year and so despite though it being the most logical thing to do knowing the dangers of sailing they should have stayed right where they were but you had the centurion that was guarding Paul that wanted to press on you had the boat captain that wanted to press on you had the owner of the ship that had the cargo he was trying to get to Rome pressing on let's go and so they sail off and they get caught in this horrible storm and so Paul has his I told you so moment and they were trying to place you can you see them trying to make excuses and Paul said you know what guys this is your own fault think about that why were in this storm they were in the storm because of a decision that they made and it wasn't the best decision They ignored it. I've seen people in my life, I'm not saying I'm all super spiritual or anything, but sometimes the Holy Spirit really gives something. And I I was in a situation, this was years back, there was a person that was struggling in their marriage, and they were making some wrong decisions. They wanted to meet with me. We had this conversation. And in the midst of that conversation, just as sure as I was when I spoke to Cassidy and Andrew about the child the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I said you need because here's the situation the marriage was about to break up he was blaming her but the real cause was this lady at work that he liked and in that moment I called him on it through the Holy Spirit and told him you're about to make some major tragic mistakes if you go where you're wanting to go because all this stuff is just excuses. And I gave him lists. This is going to happen, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. And I told him, I said, this is not me. This is what God is saying to you. This is a moment you need to turn around and make the right decision. He ignored. All the things I told him happened, and he found himself in the storm. There's no other blame but himself. And sometimes we, we find ourselves in that, in that situation. And we want to say, God, why did you let this happen? And he didn't let it happen. Matter of fact, he probably told you more than once, don't do that. Or the devil did this. And I trust me, I know the enemy comes against the enemy, brings storms, he brings attacks. But sometimes it's not God's fault and it's not the devil's fault. It's our fault. Maybe you say, I'm in the middle of a financial storm. 
But if you're honest, it's because you spent too much. Finance too many things. Maybe you're in a, in a relationship storm because your mama told you not to date him. Your daddy told you not to date him. Your pastor told you not to date him. Your friends told you not to date him. The fortune cookie at the Chinese restaurant told you not to date him. <laughs> but you still did it. But they have so much potential. The potential to wreck your life. See, there are things that we do. There's so many ways we can go, so many areas I could explore with this, but you get the picture. Sometimes it's the decisions we make, and we find ourselves in the middle of the storm, and it's our fault. <clears throat> See, I don't know about you. It's easier for me to expect God to be with me when I'm in a storm that he's allowed, or I'm in a storm that's an attack of the enemy, I can say, God's got me. We're going to make it through this. I'm not going to let the enemy get us down. But sometimes it's a little bit more difficult when you know it's your fault that you're in the storm. You're like, you know what? I really deserve this. But you know what the great thing is? Aren't you glad that God doesn't hold those kind of grudges? Aren't you glad that even we mess it up ourselves, he still loves us, he still cares, he's still with us? They found themselves in this storm that continued rage and they gave up all hope, it says. And we know that chances are there were some people on that that probably agreed with Paul because some of them were prisoners. So I'm sure not everybody was like, let's go ahead. I'm sure there were some that were like, you know what? I think this guy Paul's right. Let's hang out right here. Let's stay in the harbor. But they made the decision. And so sometimes it's because of decisions that we make we get called in the storm. Sometimes it's because of decisions somebody else makes. You know, it may not be your fault that the, comp- the company you work for extended itself too much and now they're having to downsize a bunch of stuff. And you get that news right at Christmas time. Or sometimes it's not our fault when some disease rises or some circumstance. Sometimes we get caught up in things. Maybe your, your family's falling apart. Maybe your life is messed up because at an early age there was a divorce that took place and, and some things happened that you were abused or something. Situation. You know, I understand sometimes we get caught in those storms that aren't our fault. But remember, don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Ever. See, here's the second point. You're not sunk yet. Anytime God is present, you're not sunk yet. Middle of the storm, sometimes it's so easy to give up. All light seems gone. You can't see the stars. You can't see any light. You're lost. And and courage to keep fighting, courage to keep going on is so difficult to come by. But I want you to look at verse 22 through 24. It says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. Now, wait a minute. This is right on the hills of saying all hope was lost. There wasn't any stars. There wasn't any sun. They didn't know where they're going, what they're going to do. But, But he says, but I urge you... 
I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all those who sail with you. Some of you, maybe this morning, you need, to, you need to hear that. You need that to encourage you. This storm that you're in is not going to sink you. Some of your stuff may be lost, but you will not. God has you. If you belong to him, you will not be lost. What did he say? He said, last night an angel of God Whose I am, angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me. An angel was there with him. Think of that. The storm was still raging. Everything still seemed lost. But there was someone standing beside him. When you're in those storms, remind yourself. Who do I belong to? Who is with me? And use that to hold your head high. See, I know that sometimes we can carry this angel thing a little too far because I know there are people that get weird with some of that stuff, but that doesn't change the fact that we're here today. More than three have gathered in his name. He promised he would be here. And make no mistake, there are probably angels in this room right now. And we don't think about that because you're like, okay, that's kind of a weird statement. But it's true. It's true. There could be two big angels standing behind me right now. That would be really cool. But it's kind of like a story of a friend of ours that Kim knows very well. That There's a lady that, that used to be our missionettes coordinator in another church. Just a fireball of a, of a lady, but she wasn't really big. And there was a young lady that, uh, that was staying in her home that kind of had a rough background, and they were trying to help her get on her feet and try to help her get a better start in life because she didn't have the best parental background. By the way, she's doing great now. Has her wife and her own, I mean, has a husband and her own kids and all that stuff, and, and it's just neat to see that. But in this particular instance, she had gone out with some friends, got into a situation that she wasn't supposed to be in, ended up in a house she wasn't supposed to be in where there were drugs and things going on that shouldn't have been. It was not a good situation. But somehow, this lady got word of where she was. Being the lady that she was, and being the, you just have to know her, she gets in her vehicle and takes off towards that house. And this is not in the best part of town. And she shows up. I mean, there's this, obviously, there's this party. There's a circumstance going on. But it was one of those situations where there were two big guys out front that were obviously there to guard who went in and who didn't. She marches right up to the door, tells them to get out of her way, that she's there and calls the person's name that she's there again. She says, I know she's here. I'm here to get her. Get out of my way. And the two guys parted ways, and she went right on in, got her and left. 
little time later, she's out somewhere, and she runs across and recognizes one of the guys that was standing at the door. So she goes up and she approaches him. He says, I don't know why, but thank you for stepping aside and let me get this young lady. He said, ma'am, I didn't step aside because of you. I stepped aside because the two huge men that were right behind you. If we had time, I've got missionary friends. I could tell story after story about stuff like that. But the truth is that it's true. And so this idea of the angel standing with Paul in the boat is something that can be very real. And so that's what happened. And can you imagine in the middle of the storm and the presence of God is with them in that moment and it seems, we don't get any indication from that point on that Paul was operating in any form of fear. I think a big, shiny guy appearing to you and telling you it's going to be okay will probably give you a little bit of confidence. But you know what? Just because we don't see and just because we don't hear doesn't mean that God doesn't have his with you during your storm. See, God with us also means God with you. We know that sometimes we can do that. We can get caught up in this idea. We, we believe in the blanket statement that God is with us and that Jesus died for all of our sins and everything. But sometimes we, we believe the blanket statement, but we struggle with personalizing it. That God for us means God with you. God for us means God with me. That it's personal and it's real. Several years back, I preached a message that I called Four Things God Never Says, and it just fits. So I'm just going to read these four statements. But number one, when we're going through something and we're telling God about it and we're on our face before him, God never says, hold on to that thought. I'll be right back. He never says that. And when something hits us blindsided, we don't see it coming, and also we find ourselves in the midst of a storm, he never says, I didn't see that coming. And we're asking for advice, and we're asking, Lord, I don't know what, I've been hit by this thing, I don't know what to do. Lord, tell me what to do next. God never says, I don't know what to do next. And the best one of all, God never says, sorry, there is no hope. Hold on to that. Don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. I'm going to say that a hundred times. We need to get that in our minds, in our spirits. Don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Because he said he's with us. And so what does it come down to? It comes down to this. Who's in your boat? When the storms of life hit, and they will, who's in the boat with you is what matters most. And we know that Paul went on and he stood trial. We know that he got to, you know, I loved, the thing I love about Paul is it didn't matter 
how lofty position the person was he was standing before. He made sure that he worked the gospel into his message, even though from earthly standards they had the, li- the power of his life and his death. He didn't back down because he knew who was with him. I love what he says concerning this to Timothy. In 2 Timothy four sixteen through 18, he says this. He says, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed to all the Gentiles and that all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. See, people may leave our side, but God never does. If you look at the story, you look at the history here, as we, matter of fact, some of you were on Wednesday night, we walked through Acts, we talked about how that when he arrived in Rome, there were Christians in Rome that heard he was coming, that met him with joy, yet you see here when it came time for the first trial, it was just him and his accusers. Yet he said, even though he deserted me, the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength. See, it's all about who's beside you. It's all about who's with you. And when you realize that God is with you, it changes your posture. It changes your mood. It builds your faith. It redirects your mind because it's all about who's with you. It, you know, at that point, it doesn't matter whether it is or isn't your fault. As long as God is with you, you can stand up in the midst of the storm and you can hold your head high. We all make mistakes. We've all needed rescuing from stones that's our own stupid fault. Me too. Yet God is faithful. Which brings me to another story that is kind of related. It's not related to this one, but we all are pretty familiar with the story where the disciples are in the boat and Jesus is in the in the boat with them and, and he falls asleep and a storm comes along and, and hits as they're in the middle of this this boat and, and the disciples are get scared and they think that they're going to sink and they're panicking and Jesus is right there and they're panicking and Jesus is right there. And they're panicking some more. Jesus is right there. And it's so easy to think, what are you thinking? Why are you so freaked out? I mean, the God of the universe and flesh was laying right there. He was in the boat with you. Why did you you wake him up saying, aren't you going to do anything? Don't you care? We're about to die. And we look at that and we think that is so stupid. But don't we do the same thing? Jesus is in the boat with us in this thing that we call life. And we're constantly running to him, don't you care that we're about to die? But see, the truth is he never left us. He was right there with us. And sometimes, like in that story, he stands up in the midst of our storm and he says peace be still and the storm stops 
But sometimes he walks with us in the storm and calls us out and says, come on, I'm going to show you you can walk on these waves. But he's still there in both circumstances. Don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God ever. I love what it says here where it says, the angel said to Paul, do not be afraid. You must stand trial before Jesus, before Caesar. God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. In other words, you can't go down in the storm because there are more battles I have for you to fight. How many times do we think it's going to be the end and God's, no, it's not going to be us. I've got stuff for you to do. He's not finished with you yet. If you're not dead, you're not done. Let that sink in. If you're not dead, you're not done. We all have levels of influence. We all have people whose lives we can pour into. Every storm we face, God can use it when we come out of it to minister to somebody else. You go through life and you listen to it. How many times do you come across something that, that God, God, you go through the storm and it's so horrible and God brings you out of it and he gives you this miracle and then you watch. Sooner or later, you'll run across somebody else that's facing the same exact thing and there's your opportunity to say, you know what? Where you're at, I've been there. Let me tell you what God did. You're not going to see because God's not done with you. There are still people your story can touch. There's still influences you have with other people. There's still places you can plug in to ministry to help somebody else. There's still people that you can show kindness and love to. There's still stuff. If you're not dead, you're not done. You're not going down with the ship. Suddenly, you can use your situation to become an evangelist. Verse 25. Paul says, So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that this will happen just as you told me. See, my faith isn't in what I see, my faith is in what God says. I have faith that God will do what he will say and that it will come to pass. My faith is not in the boat. My faith is in the one that commands the winds and the waves. My faith is not in the ship. My faith is in the one that made the trees, that made the wood, that made the ship. And we need to get that in our hearts. You know, man-made solutions isn't the answer. After all, think of this. His name... This isn't just a saying. His name means God with us. That's our worship team to come. Or not a worship team, but our prayer team. Because the great thing, the great thing about this story is this. Yes, the ship was lost. The cargo was lost. 
Everything was done. The ship ran aground. The, the, the waves were being against it. It was being broken to pieces. But just like God promised Paul, every single one of them made it to shore unharmed. Matter of fact, Paul even got the opportunity to preach to those on the island, to preach to the governor on the island, to go on to Rome. I mean, if ever there was somebody that was in the midst of a storm, it was Paul. Later on, you'll read where Paul begins to talk about the things that he experienced in his life. I mean, the guy went through some stuff. But God was with him every single step of the way. Never doubt the presence of God. Or in the midst of a storm, never doubt God's presence. Never doubt it. He's with you. Psalms 46, 1 through 3 says this, and we're going to pray. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Even talk about a storm. Even in that, it says this, God is our refuge and our strength. God with us.